Hey everyone, I'm Dan Sege from Hydro Ottawa, and I'll be hosting the Think Energy podcast. So here's today's big question. Are you looking to better understand the fast-changing world of energy? Join me every two weeks and get a unique perspective from industry leaders as we deep dive and discuss some of the coolest trends, emerging technologies, and latest innovations that drive the energy sector. So stay tuned as we explore some traditional and some quirky facets of this industry. This is the Think Energy Podcast. Hey everyone, welcome back to this special episode of the Think Energy Podcast. I'm thrilled you could join me for part two of our discussion about energy efficiency with Corey Diamond, the Executive Director of Efficiency Canada. In our last episode, part one, we talked about the importance of energy efficiency on a country's economy and its global impact on the environment. So on today's episode, we're going to bring energy efficiency down to brass tacks we're going to sharpen our focus on the involvement and local impact for a community and for business and homeowners. So, what does that look like? It's EV infrastructure, the construction of new buildings to be more energy efficient. It's retrofitting existing buildings, improving the efficiency of appliances and electrical equipment, all of which put us on the right path to reducing our greenhouse gas emissions, and helping us live within our environmental means. As an electric utility company, Hydro Ottawa recognizes that our industry and service model is in the midst of a significant transformation. Taking on a more decentralized, customer-centric, technologically advanced, and climate-focused form. With that will come increases in clean energy generation, more electrification of transportation, and building heating, energy storage, smart grid control, and greater user control. And at the core of all of this is energy efficiency. What's fascinating from my talk with Corey Diamond is how much power is actually in our own hands when it comes to using energy more wisely. These actions have a positive impact on the environment on our finances in the long run, and even on our property values and in job creation. But is energy efficiency accessible? Can everyone and anyone participate? Similar to the last episode, here is today's big question. What are the benefits of energy efficiency and why is it important to municipalities, businesses, and homeowners to get on board? How can cost as a barrier be addressed? Once again, please welcome Corey Diamond. Corey, thank you so much for joining me today. Great to be here again. Thanks, Dan. I've read that in some cases, energy efficiency investments can be as profitable or even more profitable than renewable energy investments because they provide a higher and faster return on investment. Is energy efficiency the first step that municipalities, industry, businesses, and homeowners should consider to take control of their energy uses and helping the environment? Yeah, that's a it's a really good question. In fact, you know, traditionally, 
in this sector, they, um, you know, they used to call energy efficiency, quote unquote, the first fuel. So it was kind of like, the, what's the first thing we should be doing? And let's let's look at getting rid of our energy waste first. And 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 you, you do see a lot of that now um, as kind of the first entry point. Um, and, you know, but actually what's happening in the sector is very interesting because the, the cost of renewables is coming down so much um, that you're starting to kind of see a melding, uh, you know, essentially an erosion of the traditional barriers of, you know, traditional energy efficiency versus renewable or other carbon reduction strategies like, you know, smart, smart homes or smart technology or shaving peak and things like that. So these, these kind of barriers between what's, you know, storage versus efficiency versus renewables are really starting to kind of be removed, which is really interesting. It, it's also interesting because some of the people who are doing the work um, can do it all, right? And so you don't have to call in an efficiency expert, like an HVAC technician, and then call in a renewables person. A lot of that's kind of changing, and uh, and these businesses are, are figuring out how to how to provide kind of a one stop on on all of it. I guess I would say the most important thing is, you know, from a building's perspective, that that you look at the building or your home as as a system. And you start to think of it not just by individual measures based on what you know grants or incentives may be available, but you're actually looking at it as a system and what makes sense as a system to do. And so, you know, um, it may not make sense to um, put in such a large mechanical system if you've tackled things like you know the insulation or the windows and things like that. Um, you know, as far as how it fits in with other things, you know, our, our friends at the Atmospheric Fund in Toronto they did a um, significant deep retrofits of uh, large um, uh, apartment buildings. And they found actually the one thing that brought down the ROI so much that enabled the investment in some of the larger mechanical systems or the more kind of the, the deeper retrofits was water, was replacing toilets. And uh, they actually went in and saved because these old toilets were leaking so much. They saved so much money on toilets. They were able to install, you know, the, the top of the line technology to, to heat the building in a low carbon way. So it's interesting, you know, they, they didn't go in it just trying to find money or try to kind of force in a solution. They kind of looked at it holistically. And because of that, they were able to find the savings to cover the cost of some of the larger ticket items. Based on the research Efficiency Canada has done across the country, and in other parts of the world, what would you say are some of the grassroots initiatives or community initiatives that have helped advance energy efficiency and municipal climate action plans? Well, I can tell, you know, a little bit about our model. You know, we we set out from the beginning not only to kind of be a traditional kind of policy shop and, and you know, making sure we're advancing the right solutions or analyzing the right policies, but we also wanted to be a bit of a grassroots organization that, that spent time organizing and, and mobilizing the sector. And uh, on part one, I talked about, you know, the fact that there's over 436,000 people in Canada that do this work. Uh, well, up until very recently, most elected officials didn't know that and didn't know or, or couldn't identify a constituent, someone in their constituency that was doing this work. So we do a lot of that kind of activity where we um, connect people to their local elected officials and coordinate meetings. We've done over 50 uh, calls with MPs and, and, and local constituents. And it matters a lot. And it matters because, you know, 
I could spew off all the stats I want on this podcast or in a meeting and things. People don't remember that stuff. What they remember are stories. And, and you know this, you're, you're a podcast host, you, you get it. And, uh, you know, they remember stories. And so we really try and coach people on how to tell their story and, and you know, making sure that those stories stick. And, and that's starting to work. And we're starting to kind of build out a broad-based political constituency. Um, when we started, we had zero people in our database. We have over 10,000 now, you know, that we can turn on and say, you know what, we need you. We need you. If you want to see these types of policies, here's a very simple way for you to get in touch with your elected official and make that happen. But we're not the only ones doing that. You know, um, you know, I have heard anecdotally that um, the, the youth climate uh, groups are doing amazing work and mobilizing at the local level. Um, you know, the town of Whitby, just, just east of where I am in, in Toronto, um, you know, just passed a green development standard um, and that the youth, the youth climate folks were, were right in there, you know, engaged in the process, pushing for this. And uh, it's really great to see, you know, see the passion that, that is coming from, from younger folks who get this stuff and pushing our elected officials to make it happen. So that, that gives us some inspiration as well. As I'm sure you're aware, the City of Ottawa has a plan to achieve net zero emissions by 2050 with an initiative called Energy Evolution. Energy efficiency for both commercial and residential buildings is one of the key strategies to achieving this goal. Looking at our local context, how can we tackle energy efficiency in the fastest, most cost-effective way? So uh, I looked up the uh, the plan and and you know I was reminded of you know what the impact is of 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 the built environment in in Ottawa. It's very similar to other cities, but thirty seven percent of greenhouse gas emissions uh, reductions uh, uh, in Ottawa are going to come from buildings. So that's a that's that's a heavy lift. Um, so what do we need to do? You know, if you look at the the, the strategic uh, approach that the city of Ottawa has laid out. Um, you know, it's in line with what a lot of the major municipalities across the country are doing. Certainly Vancouver with its six bold moves and Toronto, you've got Transform TO, Halifax has a great new climate plan. Um, and they're looking at, you know, a number of things and Ottawa is no different. You got to, you know, think about electrifying personal and commercial vehicles. We got to retrofit all of our residential and commercial buildings. And then interestingly for Ottawa is around turning organic waste into renewable natural gas, which is again, technology that is available today. So these are some things that, that, that the city of Ottawa can immediately move on um, and, and start to kind of uh, advance through its own you know, ways to complement what the province and the federal government is doing. But specifically, what, what can the city of Ottawa do? And it, you know, we've, we've looked at different models around uh, the country of different ways of doing things. And you know, I often think of energy efficiency, you know, it, it does suffer a little bit from um, not treating it in the way we treat other aspects of our life you know, this kind of Amazon, Netflix kind of Uber, Uber Eats kind of world we're in of convenience, you know, it's hard to renovate your house. It's hard to find out what to do. It's hard to find out, you know, the right suppliers and the right priorities and things. What we need is a concierge to kind of help us do that. And there's some great, you know, examples of that in cities around the world of, you know, basically somebody, you know, 
through an app or through phone calls, just helping you figure all that out. So that's something great the city of Ottawa could do. The second thing it could do is provide financing. You know, um, a number of cities around the, the, the country are instituting what's called PACE financing, allowing people to essentially put the capital cost on the, onto their um, property bill, paying it back off uh, um, through their property taxes every year. So that's a really interesting thing that is enabled in Ontario and Ottawa could, I know, is, is thinking about it and could move fast on that. And then, like I said about Whitby, you know, there, there are opportunities for the city of Ottawa to be more aggressive on codes and standards uh, around new buildings, around um, supporting, you know, renovations uh, of buildings and things like that. We need to move fast. Um, and, and Ottawa wouldn't be the only mover on this. Like I said, there's municipal leaders across this country who are, who are taking this seriously and driving it alongside, uh, alongside the people in Ottawa. What are your thoughts on the fact that every decarbonization strategy assigns a major role to energy efficiency and also places an even greater emphasis on electrifying buildings and vehicles? Well, um, well, it's no surprise to me. <laughs> I, yeah, I've been I've been doing this eighteen years, so you know I, I've been <laughs> finally people are getting it. <laughs> um, but you know, it's just, it's it's kind of one of those things where. Um, I think energy efficiency and, and these kinds of things are starting to complement, um, you know, uh, or, or essentially are becoming the engine, uh, for lack of a better, you know, metaphor, um, behind these these this great policy ambition. You know, the world is moving towards a net zero emissions economy. Um, this is going to be a part of us getting there, and you know. Efficiency is is estimated to contribute about 44 megatons of Canada's climate commitments. That's going to overwhelmingly come in cities and in provinces and in federal policies where you're going to, you know, you can turn those levers. And 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 also, you know, the way I think about efficiency too is I may have mentioned this in the last uh, in part one, but um, you know, energy efficiency makes every other carbon reduction strategy easier and better. Um, you know, one example is just just uh, just south of us in New York State, they have a, a renewable portfolio standard where they're saying, you know, successive, you know, sets of years, we're going to continue to ratchet up the amount of renewables that are providing energy to to people in New York. Well, it's much easier to do all of that if you're getting rid of the energy waste first. So you don't have to build as many uh, as much infrastructure through panels and, and windmills and, and storage if you're using just less first. So there's a really nice tie-in and a really strategic approach to be as aggressive as possible in efficiency to not only help out, you know, obviously customers, but to help out on this renewable portfolio standard. And they kind of work together. So we're seeing a lot more of that. And that's probably why you're seeing efficiency central to, uh, uh, to decarbonization strategies. It's one of the safest bets out there. Corey, your team at Efficiency Canada has done a lot of work to quantify the social, economic, and environmental benefits of energy efficiency. Can you talk about those benefits in a local context, like Ottawa, for instance? I could spew more stats, but I'm not going to because <laughs> I like to tell stories and, and I want, I, you know, we tell a lot of stories. And so, you know, if you think about it in the context of Ottawa, you know, we look at people like Andy Coburn, who's um, uh, Andy is works at uh, uh, he's the director of education and training at the the North American Insulation Manufacturers Association. He's also president of the uh, uh, the the Home Builders Association and Lanark and Leeds. 
and Andy's, you know, Andy's, Andy's Andy. He's a, he's a Red Seal general carpenter. He's a certified passive house consultant. Uh, you know, he comes from this great background of understanding kind of, you know, the built environment with a passion for like construction. And, you know, he was in commercial radio, you know, he's done marketing and trades and, and you know, he's teaching and he's worked with a lot of nonprofits. Um, so he's just kind of a really interesting guy. And, and you, you meet someone like Andy and you kind of, you know, you bask in his passion and, and kind of his, his, his glow for this type of work. And there's so many of those people around the country. We call it our human energy. That's, that's the, 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 the title for our campaign around that. And Andy's a perfect example of that. And I bet you there's dozens more people like Andy in the Ottawa area that are, that are doing this every day, you know, eight, 10, 12 hours a day driving this and then volunteering at night to try and like push another agenda. And so, um, that's, that's the benefit, right? That's the local context in Ottawa is just, you know, people like Andy Coburn. Let's tackle human behavior. From EV adoption to performing energy upgrades to people using public transportation, research has shown that 30% of potential energy savings is lost due to a variety of social, cultural, and economic factors. How do we address these barriers so everyone can participate and help our economy be more energy efficient? Yeah, it's a really good question. So let's start with the people who have the means first. Um, you know, I was, uh, uh, I was reflecting with my daughter during, actually it was during the Super Bowl. Um, we were watching some of the commercials and there was a, a real kind of juxtaposition between the types of ads that you're seeing from government um, related to COVID Versus, let's say that uh, you're seeing from, you know, Quest Trade, and Quest Trade is a, like kind of an online investment app, and the COVID ads, you know, are, are are typical ads that we would see around, you know, essentially scaring us about the current situation. It is an extremely scary situation, but almost like a using fear as a way to kind of, um, uh, you know, try and 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 get people to behave in a certain way. The Quest Trade ads were all about what your friends are doing and what your neighbors are doing and what reviews you're reading online. And it was really interesting, the language they were using around not you should go into this app and save money, but all my friends are doing it. And that is, you know, why you should do it too. And so people get information from their peers. They get information from their friends. They get information from social norms. These are the kinds of things that affect our behavior. And the more that we can tap into the, that element of our brain, um, you know, the more that we can see, you know, uh, these kinds of energy behaviors and upgrades and things happen because they become social norms. So that's that's interesting, and that's kind of what gets us to to tipping points. So that's for the the, the part of the population that you know. Um, middle, upper middle class and, and kind of, you know, who have, have the means. And that's, that's, I think, where you tap in. But a large part of the population, it's difficult to participate in climate mitigation. You know, a lot of people in this world uh, find it very difficult just to get by. And now you're asking them to carry an even more of a burden. And so there are lots of different ways to make that happen. There's some great examples across the country of 
organizations that are, are supporting those that have less means to participate in this transition. And they do it by, you know, common sense. You know, how do you tap into people's cultural and social norms? How do you, uh, how do you find ambassadors that can speak the language? How do, you, how do you make sure that things are done in a turnkey way for those that don't have the means to invest capital up front. And, and this is why, you know, as I mentioned in part one around, you know, we desperately need to ramp up um, investment and programming for low, in, low to moderate income Canadians who are spending a lot of their income on their energy bills. And how do we make that happen? So different kinds of strategies to work with local community organizations um, and, and different you know, service providers who, who may not be in our traditional energy sector, but have those kinds of relationships and the trust of the people in those communities. And that's how you do it. That's how you kind of tap into um, to those communities and, and make that work. And we're really kind of looking forward to kind of ramping that up this year as part of our advocacy work. Hydro Ottawa has been providing customers access to conservation expertise while promoting, designing, and delivering energy efficiency programs since 2005. This focus on energy efficiency has enhanced customer value while delivering important benefits to the electricity system. What do you think is the most important role local utilities can play moving forward in helping customers take full advantage of energy efficiency. Yeah, it's a good question, and and you know utilities across the country have have something going for them, and that's authority. You know, you have you have you are coming from a, a a place of authority, and so the information you provide is is meaningful to people, and um, and it's stable. It's a stable institution in this country, and people get information. And they can definitely trust it. So I would I would spend as much time as possible, um, you know, uh, uh, maximizing that that level of trust. Um, you know, the other thing is energy efficiencies come a long way in how we communicate it. And uh, it used to always just be about oh, save energy, save money, and then kind of realize you know what people people waste money all the time. People buy $5 coffees, you know, when they could make it at home. Like people buy sports cars for 10 times the cost of, of what it takes to get around. And, you know, so money isn't necessarily the, the motivator or saving money isn't the motivator we thought it was, but, you know, Hydro Ottawa sh should be, you may already be doing this, you know, talking about efficiency is a comfort issue, talking about it as a convenience issue talking about it as something that builds communities. These are, that puts people to work in your local community. These are the th reasons why people like efficiency. And yeah, let's save a bit of money as well, but it's typically not the primary kind of motivator and these other kinds of things can be, can be exploited or tapped into. And so you can, you can uh, make sure that you're, you're maximizing the programs that you have. In what ways has the energy efficiency sector been impacted by the pandemic, positive or negative? That's a tough question. I mean, the um, there's not a lot of data yet um, on this. We've heard some anecdotes that, uh, you know, on the one hand, you know, programs in the commercial and industrial sector uh, have been doing quite well. I mean, you've got empty buildings. Um, you've got a workforce that's that's moving. You've got, you know, maybe some money lying around that can be invested. Uh, so when there's short, shorter term paybacks, it makes sense. 
Um, you know, I think small businesses uh, that's been hit, um, uh, those types of programs have been hit because small businesses have been hit in so many ways. They just cannot put, you know, an ounce of energy or uh, any time towards thinking about this. Um, in the U.S., it's been a lot worse. I think in the U.S., you saw a lot of job losses in this sector. The, the, um, the clean energy sector and energy efficiency in particular was hit extremely hard. Um, it's starting to bounce back. Um, but they didn't have the, the same kinds of government supports that we had for small businesses um, through the types of federal programs. So we didn't see as much of the, the types of layoffs and things that, that you saw south of the border. But that story is still, be, still being written. So I don't have a, a complete answer yet, but it, it, at some point there'll be some reflection looking back and, and hopefully some lessons that we learn from that to kind of make sure that the sector remains a resilient part of Canada's economy. Are you ready to close us off with, yes, some rapid fire questions? All right, let's do it. Okay, here we go. What is your favorite word? Triskaidekaphobia. It's the fear of Friday the 13th. What is the one thing you can't live without? My record collection. Now, what habit or hobby have you picked up during shelter in place? Um... You know, I don't know if it's a habit or a hobby, but it's been the best thing is, is I have lunch every day with my family and it's amazing. I never used to take lunch. <laughs> I would just like everyone I'd eat at my desk and now I eat lunch with my family every day and it's awesome. If you could have one superpower, Corey, what would it be? Time travel. Now, if you could turn back time and talk to your 18 year old self, what would you tell him? Calm down. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm telling myself that right now, <laughs> still to this day. And lastly, what do you currently find most interesting in your sector? It's got to be the people. I mean, we're all humans on this on this planet, and uh, uh, you know, the people we interact with every day are the best. And um, it's just you know, a joy to to work with the people I work with at Efficiency Canada. Our team is amazing. If anybody out there has had any interaction, you probably agree. Um, and and but but just the external stakeholders, the people in the sector, everywhere—it's just such good, well-meaning people trying to to change the world. And it's an honor to work with them. Okay, well, Corey, we've reached the end of another episode of the Think Energy podcast. I truly hope you had a lot of fun, and thank you for joining me today. Cheers. I did. Yeah, it was really cool. I hope people enjoyed listening to it. And thank you. You're, you're a great, great host. Thank you for joining us today. I truly hope you enjoyed this episode of the Think Energy podcast. For past episodes, make sure you visit our website, hydroottawa.com backslash podcast. Lastly, if you found value in this podcast, be sure to subscribe. Anyway, this podcast is a wrap. Cheers, everyone. Cheers.